Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 56. You'll also find related notes and links for this episode at the same place. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. And we're here to talk about a comment and then whatever else comes from that from a recent episode. That episode was episode 41 titled Christian Insanity, which was a look at chapters one and two of The Misunderstood God by Darren Hufford. We had a little back and forth with a listener named Eric. Thank you, Eric, for that feedback. It ended with I don't know, I guess maybe some of our most negative feedback to date. And just to kind of keep things uh, fair and balanced, we've read, I think, a number of positive comments, and I thought it was important to uh, take them as they come. So so here's what it says. Or here's the last portion of the comment, the last in exchange. I think when you both get a little older, you're going to look back on these shows and feel really embarrassed. You sound so incredibly, so arrogant, It's difficult to listen to. You come across like young intellectual know-it-alls. It's tedious to listen to because it seems like every few sentences you come across another statement in the book that you disagree with and you present it as though you have a better and more proper way of saying it. You're the wise ones, but Mr. Hufford is the immature one who didn't think things all the way through or deeply enough. At least Darren Hufford can say he wrote a book that caused thousands of people to desire a closer with God in a way they never did before. I wonder what people think after leaving your site. I won't be listening to you guys anymore because, as I said, it's really tedious. I just happened to stop by today and saw Greg's response, and I couldn't believe it. So I think that raises (laughs) some interesting things to consider. It does. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's good. I mean, obviously, I would characterize... um, Eric's response as at least dissatisfied. Yeah, maybe even a little frustrated. So, yeah. um, but I went, I was curious. So earlier in some of his comments, he felt that you know we were too, we were too detail oriented. In other words, too nitpicky about mm-hmm. how Hufford is presenting. In fact, I loved his analogy. He had a really great analogy. It was about focusing. How did he put that? It was the idea of you know his feeling was that Darren. Hufford had hit a home run with this book and that instead of reveling in the home run, we were too focused on like what kind of bat he used and, you know, should the, (laughs) which I thought was, you know, okay, that's, that's a, that's a good analogy. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I got to say, as we had these conversations about the book and as I kind of reviewed them before we published them, one of, this Mm -hmm. was one thing that I really worried about. I was like, you know, are we being too hard on this guy? Are we being too nitpicky? And mm-hmm. I think there was a period of time that I did think that we had been. And then as mm-hmm. I talked to you more, it was a sense of, well, we are being very specific, or some might say nitpicky, but it's not to be nitpicky to be nitpicky to try to find something wrong. It's I think, and you helped me see this a little bit better. There's something way more important going on in the, in the sense that if you get some of the fine things wrong, 
they have a bigger impact than just that little thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I, I noticed for myself, and it was really interesting, that my attitude towards the book changed as we went on. And the, the, at, at the beginning, I was really impressed. And then the further we went on, the more my attitude began to change. Um, but I think it's only by paying attention to the details that you're going to notice that. And so, you know, it's interesting to me with Eric's comments about being, uh, I'm not sure exactly the words, micromanaging and, and sort of, yeah, being nitpicky generally, being, being overly attentive to details. One of the things that, that's going on for me is I'm still here in Switzerland at Brie, And we've just had the beginning of another term. And so there's a whole raft of new people here. And uh, one of the things that, 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 I mean, you'll remember this from your time here, but as you're here a little bit longer and you get exposed to some of the discussions that are going on, some of the thinking that's taking place, um, you begin, you kind of acclimate to it, right? You get a sense of what's going on. But when you're new, especially for certain people, certain personality types, they're here, they're not really sure what to expect. And one question you almost invariably hear at a lecture or meal table is, well, why is this important? This is so, so, this is so unnecessary. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's almost the idea of, hey, this is, this is uh, you're thinking too hard. You're making this you more complicated this. than it needs to be. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, what, what happens, you know, every single time I've been here and I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to listen as that particular type of conversation unfolds, if that person stays here any length of time, they begin to see that things are more complicated than they had made them out to be. Or that somebody, maybe their minister, their parents, somebody, had made it out for them to be. And so I think the same thing holds. And, you know, it's not like everything has to ultimately become very complicated. I don't think that's the case. But as you said earlier, some of the fine details, and not even so quite so fine details, but getting them in the wrong, re, putting them in an orientation that doesn't work is ultimately going to take you in a direction that you, you're going to not going to get to the right destination. And I think the right destination, I think Darren has is, is made a great observation in the back of his his book about feeling dissatisfied when people feel dissatisfied in their spiritual lives, they feel frustrated and dissatisfied. Interestingly, that's a theme in a lot of books. There are a lot of people have been writing about that. The whole, uh, we talked a little bit about the, the torchbearers and uh, the Cape and Ray Bible schools and uh, torchbearers is really based on, uh, it's a ministry that was established by a fellow named uh, Ian Thomas, who is a, uh, a major in the British army. Uh, Wait a minute. How did you weave that in? <laughs> Am I surprising you? Well, and I need to be. I want to be clear. When Greg says something and I listen along and maybe laugh, it does not mean I agree or hold the same views <laughs> as Greg. So Greg has very strong views. We I don't think we've recorded on this before. So Greg has strong views on this. So you share them. I'm not saying I agree with him. Continue. No, no, I, I, I'm not really going to share too many of those views just to say that one of the things, in fact, I, I wasn't even planning on sharing any of those, but <laughs> one of the things that when you read the book, uh, and I've got, I've got his, it's called The Saving Life of Christ by Major Ian W. Ian Thomas, and when you read that book, it sounds a lot like Darren. And you know what? I think, I think my first thought is good. You've got, you got different people from different 
eras in different countries who are Christians who are picking up on the same thing. Good. We've identified an issue. Great. We're not in the dark. The question is, first of all, how well have we put together, have we formulated what that issue is? And secondly, how well have we understood what seem to be, could be, are the methods or ways of responding to that? Right? I think that would be something that I'm really, those, those two things. Have we formulated the situation as accurately as we can? And have we developed a response that's as effective as it can be? And um, both of these books by Darren Hufford and by Ian Thomas, published about 60 years apart, 70 years apart, are coming up with the same thing. People whose spiritual lives aren't working. And they were not working for different reasons. Um, you know, Darren's kind of approach is a little different than Ian Thomas's. What struck me in both cases, I haven't finished reading Ian Thomas's book, uh, but I've read a fair bit on him and I've read some of the book. But what struck me about both of them is that the picture that they're presenting, on the one hand, I think what I'm really interested in is, are we giving a picture of what the Bible presents God as being interested in, what God is focused on, who God is. Is that accurate? And secondly, is what we're presenting as a, a way of living in the world, as a human being living my life in reality, is that viable? And if in either one, or particularly both of those fronts, it looks like, you know, we're going to run into some problems here, then I'm, I'm pretty quick to say, hey, mm, I don't want to go this road. And so I think part of what we want to do, coming back to this point about being micromanaging was, was I think, Eric's word, or uh, we talked about it as nitpicking or picking things apart, I think was his also, also his phrase. I don't think there's any way that you can reasonably engage, because this isn't just about ideas, it's about your life. It's about, you're, you're theoretically, you, you are committing or have committed or continuing to commit your life to a way of living that's claims to have ultimate importance for human beings. And I think I want to be very, very careful about that. We've seen Christianity do some terrible things. I'm not exempt from that. I can do terrible things. Terrible things are done in the name of Christianity. Still, I don't want to be doing that. And also, Christianity can be extremely bland. It can lack credibility. You know, in North America... Churches are, are dwindling, membership is decreasing, and the profile of the evangelical Christian is uh, basically somebody who's just obtuse is not, and is disconnected with real life. And that's, that's not a profile I want to wear. That's not, a, that's not who I am. That's, I think real life is important. And so for all of those reasons, yeah, I think we want to be, we want to be careful. And just to come back to the Libri situation, I think you find one of two responses. For some of the people that come and their first response is, this, you guys are making this way too, way harder than it has to be. And then they, they start listening a little bit more. And really they have one of two responses. One is they stay and they engage, whether they're, they're kind of, uh, you know, wait and see, I'll give it another few days, I'll give it another week, or whether they're, hey, yeah, okay, I'm starting to see some things. Or, the other response is they just leave because this is too much work. It's too much work and it's threatening things that they hold dear. 
And some of the things they hold dear, they're able to hold dear precisely because they have not investigated them deeply enough. I think that's the reality. That's a reality of life. It's one of the big realities of the biblical text. It's saying, hey, people are self-deceiving. That's part of what human nature is. And it's certainly true for me. Well, I want to go back to a little bit earlier to what you were saying about one of Eric's critiques in his comment here was that Hufford is a published author and we're not. Mm. And I think that's an interesting... I take that as Hufford has more credibility and has a better foothold or a better place to stand and say the things that he's saying than you guys because he's written a book. And I think I used to think more along those lines that, well, someone's written a book, they must have the right answer. However, and it used to be more, too. I don't know how you'll see this. It used to be more, (laughs) too, that so-and-so has a degree or so-and-so, I'm in the business world, so-and-so has an MBA. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes them credible. And Mm -hmm. for me, early in my career, I, I was in public accounting and it was all about, like, did you work at a big five or whatever it is these days, big four accounting firm. And if you if you worked at a big firm, that meant that you were smart, that you were on it, and that like you were a force to be reckoned for because you reckoned with because you worked for this big firm. Well, hmm. I was at the time working in internal audit at a large bank, interacting with these people at these big firms and realizing, and some of them had MBAs, and realizing that wait a minute, just because you work at a big firm and you have a fancy degree doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you mean it doesn't mean anything? You mean it doesn't necessarily make you better or smarter? Or? <laughs> Good clarification. Yeah, no, it was, It was. yes, it, it didn't automatically mean that you had the answers. Mm-hmm. And I see it also in the workplace today. So I work in software mm-hmm. in, in the software industry and more and more, it's not about, well, I work in open source software too. So more and more, it's not about, do you have a degree in computer science? It's how much code have you written and is it any good? Mm-hmm. Oh, you never graduated from high school, but you know, you've committed significant code to the Linux kernel. We'll hire mm-hmm. you. <laughs> we'll pay you as much money as someone with a graduate degree in computer science. We don't care. Yeah. It's about what you know and what you can do. And so... I guess as I think about that and I think, okay, the question of do John and Greg have any credibility, I I would flip that around a little bit to just say, I don't have a degree in any of this stuff. I have a minor in Bible from college, if you want to count that towards anything. But I guess what I would encourage people is, okay, yes, credentials matter to a certain extent. And sometimes we're hard on people's we talk here about you know what are their credentials but Mm. i'm more interested in and i would encourage other people to be more interested in is what someone's saying doesn't make sense does it stand Mm -hmm. up under deeper scrutiny regardless of like how they got there and whether they have 20 years of schooling or 12 Mm -hmm. do their ideas make sense do they hold water and is there something to be gained from those ideas i think that's what i'm trying to say well, I was just going to say to that end, one of the things that, you know, I, I responded to Eric uh, twice before this and in both at the end, I encouraged him. I said, you know, we're, we're going someplace here, but I think you're going to need to listen longer. You're going to need to stick around and um, be part of the conversation a little longer to see where we're going. And I would say that to, to yeah, any of our listeners. And so, yeah, for me on the whole credibility piece, I do look, I mean, because I do come from an, an academic world, you know, I know that, 
<laughs> the class is filled with a certain number of people, right? And you get a certain number of lights at the top and then you get a bunch in the middle and a bunch at the bottom. And so, yeah, when I come across something that somebody's written, uh, a scholar, um, I will, I will evaluate them. I will evaluate them based on how <clears throat> their peers evaluate them, which doesn't mean do I like the person or it doesn't mean do I agree with the person. It means where do they stand? Where do they roughly stand in this, this bullpen, right? And if they're at the top of the bullpen, I'm going to pay a little more attention, even if I don't like them or don't agree with them. The other thing I thought was interesting to explore here, just kind of mulling it over, grappling with it a little bit, and I don't think I'm grappling with it from a defensive position, and maybe I am. I'll, 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 I'll put that out there as a possibility. So the mm-hmm. difference between arrogance and confidence, are, I think you raised the, the point of confidence versus arrogance, but I wanted to, and maybe this ties into the, you know, what type of credibility do you bring and... I'm thinking, I'm sensing here a little bit, maybe there's a sense of arrogance is tied to people thinking that they have all the answers when they don't have all the answers and maybe they don't have any credibility either. And and I think that was tied into also, you know, that, that we're nitpicking and, and picking things apart. And and I guess what I wondered was, where is the place for that? Like, who who gets to decide, where's the line between evaluating something and, and trying to understand it. And in other words, one person's nitpicking is another person's thoroughness. Yeah. And maybe this falls into the category of you can't please everyone. And that's just kind of how it goes. You had raised the distinction between arrogance versus confidence. Like, I don't think anyone would ever want to be characterized as arrogant. I surely wouldn't. So what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I, and I think that that varies too, that, that there is a tension between confidence and humility, Right that varies across a whole range of spheres. So auto mechanics. Wait, you said confidence. You said humility and confidence, but not arrogance. Well, yeah, but I would say generally it's confidence and humility. And then when you find yourself in an area of strength, so what's an area of strength for me? Well, I've done a lot of study in hermeneutics, interpretation, Um, you know, my thesis is on kind of the relationship between let's say, existence and understanding where it's a question of how does Christianity work in these two interconnected spheres. So I am not working so much from a position of humility there, which would say, for me, humility would say, I'm not very knowledgeable here. I need to do a lot more listening if I want to bone up in this area, if I want to improve and and become more conversant. I am... Uh, you know, at the position of moving towards expertise. You know, expertise is typically in our society, if you hold, if you've done a PhD, well, I've done a 100,000 word dissertation, which is of the same length as a PhD uh, dissertation, but it was at a master's level. It was very well viewed, but it was still at a master's level. So on the, you know, regular scales, I am approaching uh, expertise. And so I think when you're at the expert level, when you're approaching the expert level, you're really in a tension more between arrogance and confidence. That's what I was getting at. And that seems very subtle. So how would you, how would you spell those two out? Well, I think, I think you, it's fair to be confident. And my confidence varies across that sphere. So that's, that one sphere is broken up. There's a, I see a whole bunch of different parts in it because I 
you know, that's what I studied. So I know that in certain specific areas, I'm going to feel more confident and certain other spheres or sections of that sort of sphere or that domain, I'm going to feel less confident, which still doesn't mean I'm going to say I don't really know very much because I would be lying. I've put years in years. I've, I've got tons of books that I've read and I've, I've been, you know, um, graded and I did very well. So it would be a lie for me to say that I don't know very much and I'm not, I'm not interested in lying. But on the confidence versus arrogance, I would say that confidence knows that it knows, knows what that knowing is worth and is open to the fact, the fact that that knowing is still limited and is interested, really is interested in knowing more, right? So part of the allure for me of being in Switzerland is that my mentor is here and I know that he knows more than me. He's not only completed his PhD in the same area, he's not only published, say, I don't know, reasonably 10 to 15 articles in scholarly journals on these subjects, but he works in this every day. He's really good. And I'm picking up more and I'm picking up more. Um, Whereas I think arrogance is something that would say, you know what? I've got this. I've got this nailed down and I don't need your perspectives. You need me. I don't need you. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm you not going to learn anything from you. You know, and <clears throat> so... Which is, which I think is a really... I want to really interrupt right there. So, mm. at the beginning of every podcast, I invite people to be part of the conversation. And at the end of every podcast, I invite everyone to be part of the conversation. So, if someone has missed that... <laughs> then they're not listening. You do that. You do a great job at that. Well, what I want to explore in a little bit is how we would know if we had ever become arrogant and if there was something we needed to change. But I guess what I I wanted to really emphasize here is, and I've known Greg for a long time, and so as I've thought about this comment, I thought, you know, I think there are times that maybe some people could Mm -hmm. perceive Greg as being arrogant. Mm -hmm. However, I've known him over such a long period of time and I've seen him be open to critique and feedback that I would say, no, I, I, as, as you kind of explained the distinction between confidence and arrogance, I would say, no, it's a confidence. But what we're looking for and what we're hoping for on the website and in response to the podcast is, is like, talk about the ideas with us. If you, if, if we're, critical of a book or an article or whatever and you have a different perspective we want to know like well what's your different perspective what's something that we Mm -hmm. could have missed as we were discussing something so as we were going through a particular say we were looking at a particular passage of scripture and and say greg very confidently put forth some conclusions about what it said but say you had done some similar work in that area or you had a different opinion that's where it's at for us. Like, okay, so you've, you've done other research and you've done other study and you've come at it. You've kind of put the pieces together differently and come to a different conclusion. Let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. So. Yeah, yeah. And you, you don't have to be somebody who's done work, right? I don't think we're trying to have a... No, you don't have to, to exclude. <laughs> There's a three-source minimum. If you don't have three-source... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I really liked, I really liked that, that, that Eric was engaging with us and I, I would have really loved to just actually have some, some real content, you know, because we heard a lot from him about that he liked the book, 
but not, not I, I didn't get enough. I didn't really understand why he liked the book. Yeah. And so to have that, you know, and, and maybe there's also a worry that we're going to be, oh, we're going to, you know, take that apart or whatever. And I think we want to be really sensitive. And, you, you know, you and I have t- chatted about this. If you're putting in feedback, you know, we want to be sensitive to that feedback, valuing that feedback and, you know, which doesn't mean that, you know, oh, somebody sent something in and therefore we're going to agree with that. Well, no, that wouldn't be honest either if we don't agree, right? But it's the the approach and the kind of the inclusive atmosphere that we're trying to create. Yeah, I think that's really important for us to just keep reiterating. So I don't know where you were going before I... I don't know. Well, the whole... Well, how do you... How, how well, how much have we... Have I replied to your question about that confidence arrogance? No, I think you distinction. No, okay, I know where you were going. You were saying arrogance is you need me, but I don't need you. In other words, I have all the answers and I don't need to know any more from you. Yeah, and I think it's arrogance is also not looking to invite conversation. It's not looking to invite dialogue. Right? So you and I had a conversation just before this podcast, and you had some ideas about a piece of writing that I had done. And uh, you gave me some feedback. And the more we talked, the more I saw the value in your feedback, right? Now, you know, it might not have, sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't see the value as much, right? It's not always going to be that way. But well, and you don't always agree openness. with it either. Like, no, I, I don't always. You, <laughs> you took a good portion of it, but there was still stuff that was like, "Well, I think this, you think that." Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah that there's that interplay, and I think ultimately, I think that confidence arrogance divide really comes down to what is your orientation towards truth and truthfulness. Where is truth to be found? What do you do with it when you find it? If, if you're the guy that holds most, or the woman who holds most of that truth, then obviously you don't have to go looking very far. And you've already got it. So you don't have to work. Or maybe you've done all the hard work already. But I think what should be characteristic of at least a Christian approach is, you know, if you're at that level of, let's say, approaching expertise, or you've uh, developed a certain level of, of uh, awareness and skill, then you're looking to refine that. And the way that you're going to refine that, the way you're going to get better is on the one hand, being in the presence of and being taught by people who are better. And also being with people who are able to see your blind spots and who are able to approach you in an, uh, in a way that you can hear with that information. Yeah, I think related to that, one of the, one of the really eye-opening things to me about being at Labrie, again, coming mm-hmm. from a coming from a more traditional background of only people that have studied these issues have the answers. Mm. One of the things that I learned and experienced firsthand at Labrie was the value that truth and answers and insights could happen simply from having conversations with other people, regardless Mm. of how learned they were or not. Yeah. Things could happen. And so, and I think we've seen that a little bit in some of the comments and discussions we've had even on the website so far of people saying, hey, I mean, admittedly, I think all of them have been positive except for this one, and that's fine. But they have like, they have kind of helped clarify or bring new ideas or new clarity to light that we didn't have previously. 
And you know what? Even this, like I am, uh, my 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 intro response to this last comment to Eric was raising, uh, you know, Barlow and Mahler's book a complaint is a gift <laughs> which you know if you've done customer service anywhere you've done even if you don't know the title of the book you may have done that as a seminar or you know the concept which is when somebody's giving you negative feedback it's hard for them to do most people aren't good at it and it means something's really important to them and i think this is also sparked i mean this whole conversation that we're having this is huge i think this confidence versus arrogance because you, you and i have we've said this time and time again that we are trying to do and say something. It's not like, I don't know how to say this, and this is one of the things I'm most hesitant about. I do think that in certain ways, we are trying to put something on the table that is more distinct from the stuff that's that's on the table right now than not in terms of North American evangelical Christianity. No, and I think it's, and I think it's okay to say. I hear your hesitancy because I think I'm guessing your hesitancy is like you're feeling like you sound like some kind of nut job or like you're the new messiah, like you have this new message that nobody's ever heard before. I, I think what I see and what I'm hoping is is no, maybe we're saying something different than most people are saying out there. The question back would be, is it worth thinking about? Like, is is mm. there is there credence to some of these different ideas and different approaches? I don't think we're the only, well, I'd say you. It's more me. I'm kind of following along at this point. But <laughs> I don't think you're the first person to, like, come up with these ideas. And, like, you're just, like, I, I think it's just an extreme minority that's either heard or thought about some of these things. And so. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, John. And no, I mean, a lot of this comes out of, you I mean, you know this too, because it comes out of Labrie. It comes out of specifically, really, some of the work that's been going on at Swiss Labrie for the past 15, 20 years, you know, and you and I have both been affected by this in generally positive ways. Um, and yeah, most of my whole graduate work and my thesis is really trying to present at, a, at an academic level some of the realities and orientations that I experienced here. So no, it's not, it's not that you're right. And I appreciate your encouragement. I, I do have a hard time with that because, you know, that's, that's the piece where that's, that's really tough when someone comes down to it and says, so you're, you're, you're really trying to say something here that's not, and your, your way of saying it's really good, that, 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 that a very few people are saying that, that um, you, you're taking a minority position. And yeah, that doesn't make it quite as, Difficult well, to and, say. And, but, but I think, no, and I think another, uh, to just kind of round things out here, which we often do, is to round it out by saying, I think, I don't remember what episode it was, but, you know, you were talking about putting forth love and truth, love and mm. truth, both of them as co-equals being the best way of kind of putting forth the idea of Christianity and what mm-hmm. it's all about. And then encouraging mm-hmm. people, hey, if if there are other words or other ways that you think make more sense... Let us know and why. Yes. And we had some great conversation around that. I think the topic of grace came out of that. And yeah, we had some good feedback. Things. So anyway, so yeah, I think just a good place to round it out is listener feedback, always appreciated, positive or negative. <laughs> and yep. we'll just uh, take it from there. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So leave a comment on the website 
at untanglingchristianity.com slash 56. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are released or other news, subscribe to our mailing list, also available in the right sidebar of the website. We welcome your questions, comments, or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.